The following audio is from Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about Stone Oak Bible Church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. Church, good morning. What a wonderful message, that verse that was just read. So many of us have heard it so many times, but it will never grow old. I want to thank you for celebrating Easter Sunday with us, Resurrection Sunday with us, and um, there is no greater cause for celebration. Amen? Amen. Well, uh, if you have your Bibles with you, if you could turn with me to the book of Numbers, or scroll with me, however you, you get there. Uh, if you have a background in the church, you may at this point be thinking, why on earth is this pastor taking me to the book of Numbers on Easter morning? <laughs> that gets the amen. I like that. Um, that's fair. I'm just keeping you on your, on your toes, church. Just keeping you on your toes. Numbers chapter 21 While you're finding your place there this morning, I really have one main message this morning, one main message, one simple message, and uh, I'm just going to give it all away up front. I don't typically do that, but I'm feeling feeling brave. It's Easter. We just got to go for it, all right? Here it is. One main point, and it is this. Look up. Look up. Simple, right? Look up, and we're going to dig down into that together this morning. And having said that, uh, as we are in numbers, let me give you a little bit of a context uh, before we get to our, our verse. So the people of Israel, the Jewish people, an entire people group, God's nation, um, were uh, under the shackles of slavery in Egypt. An entire people in slavery. Uh, these were God's people. So right off the bat, you're like, God, did you make a mistake on this one? Because your people are the ones in slavery. But as we're going to see, he, he didn't. He has a plan. And he calls this unlikely man by the name of Moses. And he calls him and he says, bring my people out. Go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. Now, if you've grown up in church or if you've seen movies, you've probably seen this the epic story told, uh, or if you want, go grab my kids. They tell it, they're three and four, and they are adorable as they tell you this story, but the story of God's people being set, set free. So God performs miracle after miracle after miracle, showing his power to Pharaoh, um, and after so many plagues, after so many miracles, right, and after Moses pleading, let my people go, uh, Pharaoh finally lets go. And I don't know if you've realized how this was a huge event in history. Uh, most believe that it's, it's about 600,000 men. That's not women or children, that's men, 600,000 men. This was a mass exodus. It was an epic story. No wonder that we have tried to make movie after movie about this. So uh, if you have watched those movies or if you've read our text, you know, though, that Pharaoh changes his mind. Pretty quickly, he has a little bit of a switch, change of heart, and he decides, no. After he sent him out, he's like, go get him. And so he, he throws his, or he sends his army to go and track them down. But God, again, intervenes amazingly, his own hand, with fire, pillars, parting seas, washing armies away. God himself steps in on behalf of, of his people. So God literally steps in, and you would think, well, all is good now. They will never doubt that now. Like, 
They're never going to doubt God's goodness. They're never going to doubt God's power. They're never going to doubt God's faithfulness. Right? All is good. Unfortunately, they're a lot like you and me, and they're very prone to forget. They're very prone to forget. And so right away, um, they just began to, as they wander through the wilderness, going to the land that God had promised them, by the way, um, as they're on their way, just time after time, just complaining, complaining, complaining. Um, get this, people actually, they wish they were back in slavery multiple times, saying, well, at least there we had food, at least there we had meat, at least there we had something else to drink, at least there we weren't in the desert, and it, it'll drive you crazy as you read it until you realize that you're kind of looking in a mirror at times, but uh, it'll drive you absolutely crazy, but because of this people, because of their sin, their doubt, their complaining, they end up wandering in the desert for 40 years. Now, of course, I'm pushing the fast forward button on a lot here, but hang with me. 40 years, that means an entire generation comes and goes in that desert, wandering around, but God is still faithful. The reason I set this up is because our text here in Numbers 21 comes right at the end of this 40-year period. These people are tired. They have been wandering around for 40 years. And, and toward the end of this period, we drop in. We're going to look at verse 4. Uh, it says this, from, from Mount Hor, they, they set out by the, by the way to the Red Sea to, the, to go around the land of Edom. And the people became <laughs> impatient on the way. Surprise! Um, so right there, we can just stop and say, really? Like, if there was anyone who had any right to be impatient... Is it's God Himself. Right? The reason that they're there is because of them, and the reason they're wandering is because of them. So if there's anyone who should grow impatient, it would be uh, God Himself. But here they are, and they are impatient. Now, as we go into verse five, it, it, how many have kids or have had young children? Okay, I want you to imagine something with me. It works best if you read this next text. Um, you know that whiny voice? No, just mine. Um, for our house, it's whenever they're hangry, they get this wine. Like wine. It helps if you imagine that, if you're there, as you read this. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of, the, out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Well, okay. After being free men and women for 40 years, their hearts still wander back into slavery. They still long for once or what once was instead of trusting that God would yet do what he has always done. So they complain and they complain. And then verse 6, then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. We could just end here, right? So if you complain against God... God sends snakes. Amen? We could just go home. Uh, that's not the point, though. Uh, continue on. Verse 7, it says, And the people came to Moses and said, Listen to this. We have sinned. Uh, we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he will take, these, take away these, the serpents from us. And so Moses prayed for the people. Verse 8, And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten... When he sees it, shall live. 
So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole, and if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. So right here, we have Moses making this bronze snake, setting it up on a pole, raising it up where people can see, and anyone who was bitten, anyone who was feeling the effects of poison could look up, could look up, just look up and see. And as they saw the snake on that pole, they would live. They would, they would live. So I want you to picture here, put yourself in their shoes before we move on. So you messed up, right? You sinned. You, 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 this was on you, right? You, you sinned. And now the result of your sin is there are snakes literally biting people. Are you following me? You're in their shoes. There are snakes bite. You've been bitten. Others are dying from that bite. People you love have been bitten. You, are, you don't want to die. You don't want those that you love to die. You are desperate. And God provides a cure, and it's just to look up. If you look up, you will not die. To those of you who look up. And if you think about it, this snake, before we move, this snake was a symbol of their sin, Like the snakes came because of their sin. And here God is saying, look at that symbol of your sin. And when you look at it, you will be healed. Look at this symbol that is raised up. And as you do, you will be saved. You will be healed. Now, let's fast forward. Turn with me to John chapter 3, the gospel of John chapter chapter 3. Fast forward for a moment. So thousands of years have come and gone between then and now, we are not wandering in the wilderness. Uh, but even though we're not wandering through the wilderness right now, we share several things in common with the Israelites. Uh, I want to share two of them, two things specifically. One, real quickly, uh, we too are very gifted at complaining. Um, I don't mean to brag, but I am, I've got a gift. Like, I'm pretty good. And no one should judge me because some of you guys make me look JV, all right? We are gifted complainers. Number two, and more importantly, church, is we too have a fatal problem. We too have a fatal problem, a fatal, if you will, bite. Uh, For the Israelites, it was the venom of of a literal snake. Like, snake right there. That was their venom. That was their their problem, Uh, uh, an actual bite. For you and I, it is not snakes. And some of you are like, well, that's a relief. I thought it was going to get weird in here. I'm going to do some snake handling or whatever. That's at the end of the service. Don't worry. Um, but for you and I, it's not the venom of a snake, but it's, it's nonetheless fatal. Um, I want to talk about our bite together. And, and as we talk about this, I just want to ask you a few couple questions. And I want you to think honestly about them before we get into our, our text in John. Church, does it, does it bother you that you have to endure the loss, the death of people that you love in your life? Does it bother you that you will have to endure the loss of people that you love? Does it bother you um, that, that you feel enslaved to destructive behavior in your own life? Does it bother you when when we look around and we see brokenness everywhere? You turn on the news and we see brokenness and pain and suffering. I mean, 
What kind of world is this? I mean, how many terror attacks? How many tragedy? Why, why is our world like this? Does it bother you? Does cancer bother you? It absolutely does me, church. It, yeah, it's maddening. Does it bother you to look around and to see emptiness? I mean, is this it? Is this the way life is meant? Is this all we got? Does it bother you that this is the world that we bring our children into? Church, it should. It should. Um, You are seeing the effects of a fatal bite. You are seeing the effects of a fatal bite. We are like the people of Israel in that we're desperate for a cure. We're desperate for help. We don't want to die. We don't want to see those we love die. We need help. We are desperate. Church, this is our fatal bite. And it, ha- and it started way back in the garden at the very beginning, at the very beginning of time, at the beginning of your Bible, uh, Genesis 3, coincidentally with another snake. These snakes are everywhere, aren't they? Um, with another snake. Adam and Eve decided that they were going to ignore God's command. They were decided that they were going to do their own thing. And, and from that moment forward, we've only and ever known brokenness. I mean, think about it like this. Adam and Eve choose to sin, and it literally takes one chapter. One chapter for the sin of mommy and daddy to now be carried out in the kids as as. Adam and Eve's son murders his brother. All of a sudden, we have tragedy, we have pain, we have sickness, we have suffering just in the fabric of our world. This is what we call the fall. This is sin. This is the moment where our brokenness began. And now um, we take from our parents what they took from their parents and what they took from their parents and what they took from the parents before them, and we carry it on. We carry it on. Now, of course, please don't misunderstand me. Not everything in this life is tragedy. It's not all doom and gloom. Let me just speak from personal experience here. I have a one-year-old who just learned how to say dada. Church, that's awesome. I don't care who, that is awesome. Um, Not everything in this life that we endure is is doom and gloom. Please don't hear me wrong. But as as good as the good is, there remains a, a problem. We must all address the bite because we will all experience its effects. The Bible says not only will we all sin, but that the wages of sin is death, and this is our bite, church. Now, some of you are thinking, thank you for depressing us on Easter morning. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, Hear me, though. If we understand how bad the bad news is, then we begin to be able to wrap our minds around the beauty, how incredible, how life-giving, how transformational the good news is. Let me say it like this. If the bad news is meh, the good news is meh. But church, the goodness, the good news shines against a black backdrop. And oh, do I have good news. Let's look at John 3. John 3, we're going to start in verse 14. It says this, uh, as and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, 
reference there to what we just talked about, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So church, picture it again, Moses taking the bronze servant, raising it up on the pole, raising up a symbol of the people's sin so that they could look at it and be healed from their sin. John says, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, Jesus Christ be lifted up. So, so picture it, uh, picture the scene, we're going to continue, but all the people of Israel, they're desperate, they're looking up at the serpent. We too are all around desperate, looking up, and now let's, let's, let's continue. Let's read verse 14, and we'll continue on this time. And as Moses lifted up the servant, serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Just as the snake was lifted up in the presence of all of the people of Israel, so Christ is lifted up in the presence of all of us. In the same way that healing is found, at looking at this snake, uh, church, healing is found as we look to Jesus Christ lifted up. Like the serpent on the pole, let me put it like this. Jesus crucified is the symbol of my sin, and Jesus crucified is also the means to save me from my sin. Let me say that again. Jesus crucified is the symbol of my sin. And Jesus crucified is the means to save me from my sin so that we may not perish, so that the fatal bite loses its sting. In order that the world may be saved through him, he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. We who deserve the curse are now looking up at our Savior who became the curse for for us. And just as the, the wandering Israelites, our call this morning is the same. It's simply to look up. Look up. Believe in him. Um, before we move for the, further, I, I have three things here that I want us to see before we, before we dive in any deeper. Um, first, you can't will your way out of this. You can't will your way out of this. Some of you are pretty stubborn. It's all right. Some of you here are, are pretty stubborn, but you can't will yourself out. So if you were bit by a venomous snake today... Um, no matter how hard you tried to make yourself okay, right, no matter how hard you're like, I got this, I'm going to conquer this, don't worry about it, no. you need an intervention, you need help. Church, the same is true for your condition this morning, you can't will or, or walk out of this one. Uh, I am a horrible sick person. And you can ask my wife, she can attest to this, but I have this, this thing. I don't get sick very often, but when I do, I am so terrible. Um, I have this thing, maybe it's a guy thing, that when I start getting sick, I'm like, nope, I'm okay, I got this. Like, you crack your neck, and you're like, yeah, I got this. I'm going to go for a run. I'm going to do something. I'm not going to get sick. Um, only moments later to be like in the fetal position, and I'm so whiny. I, I, I know, Candace, I'm sorry. Um, Church, you can't do that with your sin. You can't do that with you. You can't push your way through. You can't will your way through. It will take you. It will rob you of life. It will rob you of joy. You cannot will your way out of it. You need an intervention. Number two, 
you also can't ignore your way out of this one. Uh, so if you were to walk outside right now and you were to be bit by a rattlesnake, hey, it's Texas, this could happen, um, and you were to be bit by a rattlesnake, how many would ignore it? That's good. Of course not. Um, yet how often do we do this with our own sin? We know that it's there. We know that it's destroying us. We know it. But we distract ourselves with other stuff to ignore the deeper problems. And sometimes we distract ourselves with really good things, but they're just a way to distract us from the heart of what's underneath. Um, Let me put it like this. To ignore a fatal bite is to die from that fatal bite. To ignore the fatal bite is to die. Well, to ignore your fatal bite is death. It is death, and Jesus came to save you. You can't will your way out of it. You can't ignore your way out of it. You need an intervention. And number three, you also can't work your way out of this. You can't work your way out of this. Um, You know this, but I'll say it anyway. If you were to be bitten by our friend Rattlesnake out there um, today, uh, no matter how hard you worked at it, No matter how hard you hit the gym, no matter how many vegetables you ate, no matter how many vitamins you take, no matter how many many hours of sleep you get at night, no matter how well you take care of your body, you can't work that out. You can't work that out. You need a doctor, right? This is a no-brainer when we think of of this, but uh, let me put it like this. You can be the prettiest and healthiest person on the planet, but if you're bit by a snake, you're going to die. In the same way, you can be the hardest working, prettiest little sinner on the planet, but you will die apart from Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not of your own doing, it's a gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. You need an intervention. And so church, if you can't ignore your way out, will your way out, work your way out, what do you do? You look up. You look up. Um, we do the same thing that the Israelites did. We, we look up. So I said I had good news for you this morning, and I really do, and I'm not even done, because each one of us, hear me, each one of us in this room right now um, long for something better than what we see in our life. You long for health. You long for a world untouched by sin and death. You imagine a world without cancer. Imagine a world without orphans. Imagine a world without hunger. We all long for something else, something the way life was intended to be. We all long for this. And that longing, that desire that we have for a better life, a better world, hear me, it will be fulfilled perfectly through Jesus Christ. It will be fulfilled perfectly through Jesus Christ. For those of you who, those of us who belong to Christ, just as Jesus resurrected from that tomb, through Christ you will be resurrected. All of those longings, all of them that you have in your heart, every one of them, For a world without brokenness will find its perfect fulfillment in the resurrection. 
I don't think we think about this nearly enough, but I say it like this. My sin has been dealt with, or my sin has been dealt with eternally, and my eternity will be spent without sin. Like, just, just rest on that. Just think of this. My sin has been dealt with eternally. Your sin has been dealt with eternally, and now your eternity will be spent without sin and without its effects. The good news, church, is good both now, here and now. It is. It is very good here and now. And it just kind of gets better as it goes. It's, it just kind of ultimately for the then and forever, it just gets better. And, and I want to finish with this this morning. Um, John, after chapter 3 in his gospel, continues on to tell us all about Jesus, tells us all about his life, his teaching, his miracle, the man who changed the world. He tells us all about it, all the way up to his arrest and his death, when he accomplished it all, all the way to his burial, the darkest moment in all of human history, and then finally all the way to his resurrection, the moment when he accomplished it, all victory over death, hell, the grave. Uh, John tells us about Jesus. He shares who he is. He tells us what he did. Why? Why did John tell us about these things? Why did John take the time to write this so that we can hold this in our hand? Why? Why did he do it? Well, John tells us. Um, John chapter 20, verse 30. It says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in the book, in this book. Wouldn't that be cool to get access to some of those? 31. But these are written, listen to this, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So that you may believe in Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, and that you will have life. That is the whole point in church. That's the whole point for this morning. For those of you who are here who are wondering, God, where are you? Because everything is broken. This can't be your plan. This cannot be your plan. There has to be more. There has to be better answers. For those of you who are just tired, some of you have been working and willing and ignoring really hard, and you're tired. Church, there's an intervention. Jesus Christ was lifted up, and so that all who look to him will find help and salvation. Look to Jesus. For some of us in this room, though, though we know these things. We know these things, and, and, and we know about Jesus. We have life in him, but in this morning is really the not-so-subtle reminder. Do not forget. Do not forget. Um, we've talked about this as a church before, but um, gospel amnesia which is this strange phenomenon that those who are in Christ, who know the goodness and the fullness of, of Christ, um, we know who he is, are prone to wonder, prone to forget, and prone to leave the God that we love. It's gospel amnesia, and, and just like the people of Israel, I said we are a lot like them, right? Forgetting? We are so forgetful. I am so forgetful. And God is saying this morning, don't forget Look up. 
This is a call collectively, no matter where you are this morning in your life, to look up, to look to our risen Savior. So there are tables at the front and the back of, of our, our room this morning, and um, on each is a basket and, and cup. I want you to think about this this way. This is symbolically how we can look up. Symbolically, this is a way for us to look up. For in a few moments, I'm going to pray, and we get the privilege of taking communion together. And this, this bread represents his body that was broken for you. The cup represents his blood that was shed for you. And together, the bread and the cup, let it be a way that we can symbolically look up. That we can symbolically look up, turn our eyes up. So if you would, would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me this morning? Everyone in this room comes to this auditorium in in a different place. Some of you, God, is, is calling to look to Christ for the first time. Showing you that you are a sinner, showing you that you need help. And for the first time, God is just saying, I have provided that for you through my son, Jesus Christ. He died for you. He took your sin, and I offer you life abundantly. And this morning, there's something going on in your heart and in your mind, and it's like a light bulb is going off in your soul right now. Some of you come into this place tired, and you are in a heavy heavy season. You are discouraged and you find yourself um, forgetting all about the joy that is found in our salvation in you. And like David, the prayer then is, is restore to me the joy. Some of you in this place, God is saying, stop. Stop relying on yourself and your work and your will and stop. Relying on yourself to get out of this because I have provided a way. No matter where you are this morning, church, let's look up. Look to Christ. Believe in Christ. God, you are good and we are not. We, we look up this morning. Have mercy on us and, and heal us from our sin. God, make us whole, God, as we cry out for help. We cry out for forgiveness. We cry out for you to save us. And God, help us never to forget that you did this, not us, that this is your work, not ours. As we take communion together this morning, let this bread, this cup, they represent your work. They representing, represent you being raised up. And so God, help us to look up to you this morning. And it's in and it's through the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.